Hello, and welcome to the News of the Week for August 31st. I'm Carol, Eric's better half. I'm in the middle of making breakfast, but I just really wanted to quickly introduce this episode. In this week's episode, Jason Cousineau and Eric Rander King Fisk rehash the Netflix Area 51 special, discuss updates in the aftermath on stories from previous episodes, as well as other recently disclosed news items, including the Russian nuclear reactor explosion. You can support the show by visiting our Zazzle page, where exactly 12.5% of every purchase goes to keeping this and other shows on the Fedora Chronicles network on the air. Or you can become a Patreon by clicking on the Patreon link on our webpage. For a mere dollar a month, you can get early access to all the podcasts, updates on what we're working on, and so much more. Thank you to all of our listeners who support the show. Eek! The bacon's burning. Gotta go. Oh, enjoy the show! It's, it, it's, I can't believe that, that summer is practically over. It's unofficially over as of Labor Day weekend. Um, right, which is just freaky to me. I mean, first of all, when is Labor Day weekend? Isn't that like this weekend is Labor Day weekend? Yes, it is. What is it? September? Where the hell did the time go? The thing is, is that as you get older, the passage of time seems to go by faster. Um... And it was just like, it just, it felt as if, like, three months. That's what my dad meant when I turned 40 and he said, it's all downhill from here. Yeah. It's like, wee! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And the thing is, is, is like, sometimes the passage of time. It's funny how we're talking about, you know, with the the topic of, of the week, we're talking about the relativity and how time you know, time seems to fly. It seems like after, as you're going down, this is what they mean by over the hill. And it's all downhill yeah. from here. Meaning that as you, it, it just gets faster and faster and faster until, you know, you hit the wall at the bottom of the hill. And it just seems like it, it, it's like, it's like a roller coaster ride, except for you're losing all kinds of shit. <laughs> It, it, it's like it's like people and things are just falling behind you or in front of you and flying yeah. in your face. And it was just like, and there's things like, I there are things that I wanted to do before I was fifty, and I haven't been able to do yet because life gets in the way. Um, and you think you have all the time in the world to do these things, but you really don't. No, and it's I mean, if you think about it too much, it can get depressing. But yeah. I mean, life is what life is. Yeah, you know. Um, so we're going to be talking this week about Bob Lazar, and this is kind of like a topic that Jay and I put in our back pocket. Um, and we wanted, we wanted to save it for, I don't know why we wanted to save this for later. But we were thinking, if I remember correctly, we were thinking we wanted it, the timing to be right. Like it was, you know, some sort of new revelation or something like that, because otherwise he's already said what he said. Right. So we were kind of waiting for something new. And the title of this week's podcast is News of the Week, August 31st, 2019. Bob Lazar doesn't care anymore, which is basically the theme of this is Bob Lazar has said everything that he's going to say on the topic. He'll probably do some other promotional videos and whatnot 
Um, he'll do some interviews like he did for Joe Rogan. And we're going to reference the podcast, the episode that um, Bob Lazar did with Joe Rogan. Jesus, has it been two months already? Yeah. And and this is going to lead up to, um, and I'm scrolling down here, um, because this summer, one of the biggest controversies that Jay and I have not talked about, because so many other things have happened this summer. <laughs> I'm going to be also... It's been a big month. Big, really, yeah. We're going to be, we're, we're going to be um, segueing from Bob Lazar's... Um, first interview with um, George Norrie to the controversy this summer about um, these files leaked. Um, what, are, what, are we, what are we calling them? Uh, the Wilson memos or the EW, yes. EW, yeah, EWD notes. And pretty much we're going to bookend this with today is the official announcement that or it's the opening ceremonies. I don't know what you call it. Whereas they're actually officially starting Space Force today. Space Force <laughs> begins today. So I enjoy that too much. I'll use any <laughs> excuse to use that tool. All I can say is it's a good thing we do this in the morning and not at night. Because can you imagine if we were drunk while doing this? <laughs> <laughs> how, how do people know that we're recording this 9.30 in the morning? How do they know well, that we're not already lit? How do they know that we're not already lit? I'm sure there's at least two or three listeners going, they're drunk. They're drunk. I don't care what time of day it is. They're fucking drunk off their asses. <laughs> so if we can just go all the way back to, and I'm going to insert, I'm going to try to insert the original interview with George Norrie. When Bob Lazar was just this anonymous guy, and all you saw was his, his silhouette in the back of an SUV talking about the area known as S4, which is adjacent to Area 51. In 1987, when the Air Force sought to renew its stranglehold on the Groom Range, news articles once again mentioned the talk about alien spacecraft, and subsequent articles in national magazines quoted unnamed sources about things of alien origin flying in Nevada, things that would make filmmaker George Lucas drool. Despite the speculation, no one who knew Area 51 from the inside ever talked publicly about the saucer stories. Well, there's several, uh, actually nine, uh, flying saucers, flying discs, uh, that are out there of extraterrestrial origin. The live interview with the shadowy dentist drew international attention. Portions were broadcast by radio in six European countries and in a nationally televised TV special in Japan. Actually nine uh, flying saucers, flying discs. Despite numerous inquiries and feelers, Dennis has remained anonymous until now. His real name is Robert Lazar, a young scientist with eclectic interests. The choice of Dennis was an inside joke. He says that's the name of his superior at Groom Lake. It wasn't a joke to Dennis. He called right after. He said, do you have any idea what we're going to do to you now? And I, I said, well, no. He hung up the phone. Lazar's story is by any standards fantastic. He says he's telling it in order to protect himself. He says he was hired to work at an area called S4, which is a few miles south of Groom Lake. 
At S4, he says, are flying saucers, antimatter reactors, and other working examples of technology that is seemingly beyond human capabilities. Did I did I get anything wrong yet? Nope, nothing wrong. Okay, I lost you there for a second. So, so no, that was me going on mute because I was coughing. Oh, okay. Jay's got the flu. That's the thing. If if Jay goes silent, um, he's got the flu. Because I'm hacking up a lung. It's okay. We'll be. I'll be fine. I've got another one. Or or somebody snuck in to his apartment and suicided him because we're talking <laughs> about because we're talking about Bob Lazar and we're going to do a little Jeffrey Epstein update at the end of this at the end of this podcast. Um. So. George Norrie was a, or is he still, is he retired? He, he's, he was an investigative reporter in Nevada. Yes. And he did this interview with this guy, and I'll just call him Dennis in air quotes. And Dennis had this amazing story about Area 51, and nobody had ever heard of Area 51, I don't think, until Bob Lazar. I might Yeah, I, I honestly think it did. And I'm I'm really kind of curious as to why everyone glommed on to Area 51 and not S4. Right. Because he, he mentioned it in the interview, I think twice. Right. But he talked about S4 all the fucking time. So it's it's insane the way that this became a media sensation. Whereas I think it was in it was either uh, April or May of 1989, and together with it was, oh, it was, by the by the way, it was George Knapp he was talking to George, George Knapp, Norrie. not George Norrie. George Norrie is yes. the the guy who puts me to sleep ever since he took over for Art Bell in in Midnight in the Desert, or yes. whatever the, whatever his shows. So George Norrie has won dozens of local Emmys. For his investigate, George Knapp. George Knapp, you said. George Knapp. I got to write this down. George Knapp. Yep. Okay. George. George Knapp. You said. Yep. Okay. K N A P B. All right. So the thing is, is that George Knapp is not. I mean, he's a sensational investigative reporter, but he's he, he's he's not a kook. He's actually done reporting. That's earned him accolades and awards for investigative journalism, and it's. I'm not clear how these two came together, but the thing is, is that George Knapp filmed this confession by quote Dennis Bob Lazar, and said there's a government facility where he worked called S4. And they had, and that's where they were um, trying to backwards engineer alien technology. And he's seen eight, eight or nine spacecrafts that all look different. And each one of these spacecrafts or dimensional crafts, whatever you, you call them, they have different origin stories. How did the Americans get a hold of them? And the the world went crazy. Whereas like if um, other news organizations picked this up and broadcast it, rebroadcasted the original interview. And if, and it also helped to make Art Bell a household name 
because Art Bell did a lot of late-night shows on the topic of Area 51 and S4. And some other people, I, th I, I think some other people went to Art Bell and said similar things, that they worked for these secret programs and secret projects. And if only 10% of them were true, um, that's a lot. And George Knapp and Bob Lazar basically started this cottage in industry or restarted it, as it were. Because bef bef before Bob Lazar, there were all of these other controversies, especially if you look at the, the, the church committee that was looking into the strange things that the government was doing. Um, like, there's so many of them. Um, Operation Mockingbird, Operation Midnight Climax, um, MK Ultra, all of these weird projects where the CIA was trying to use propaganda and mind control tools to manipulate the public to do things. Um, and Operation Midnight Climax was a, was a program where they would abduct single guys on the prowl for a one-night stand or whatever. They had these women who would bring them back to their, quote, apartments, and they were, they were held captive over a weekend with experiments done to them and stuff, using LSD and other kind of drugs and sodium pentothal and all other kind of weird stuff. And I think we've done. I think we've done a, a show about this earlier for the metaphysical yeah. connection for the for Laura Chronicles yeah. radio show. All of which you can go back and you can listen to if you go just go to thefedorachronicles.com and hit hit the 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 link for radio. You'll find all the other. Um, it's on the top of every screen on the Fedora Chronicles, and um, so there's there should be. BL, um, I'm sorry, BBL and ABL before Bob Lazar and after Bob Lazar in the realm of conspiracy theories. Because I think Bob Lazar is really sort of like the first person to come forward and really sort of give us, and I'm using this in air quotes, definitive proof that the government is working on weird stuff that's beyond our imaginations. Um, and if it, and if it wasn't for Bob Lazar, I don't think that we'd have shows like the X-Files. Um, I don't think that, um, we'd have all these documentaries on the sci-fi channel and all these pseudo documentaries on the Fox network. Um, if, if not, Bob Lazar really sort of started something that, I mean, earlier we were talking about like going down, it's all downhill. This has been like an out of control freight train, as it were, that's just simply unstoppable. Because it seems like after Bob Lazar, there have been all these other disclosures that are, they're undeniably weird. And there's a yeah. lot, there's a lot of controversy out there about like, is Bob Lazar lying? Is he telling the truth? And which one's more terrifying? So what what do you think? What I've said so far, Jay? Honestly, the um, the whole thing about Bob Lazar that really kind of gets me, and and I, you know, we we kind of used as a uh, excuse to talk about this is the the 
documentary that's on Netflix. Right. Bob Lazar, Area 51, and Flying Saucers. Right. And the thing that really kind of gets me about this is there's a lot of people who are discrediting the man himself. Right. Right. There's some strange shit going on there, right? Yeah. Um, for example, one of the things they mentioned in the documentary is his work at, uh, I think it was, was it MIT or Caltech? Anyway, he, he said he was a student there. And the documentary tried to verify that. And in the documentary, they say, you know, they say he wasn't there. However, here is a copy of her phone book the time he claims he was there and his name is listed there. Right. So, so, so for somebody... Unless there's another Robert Lazar. Right. And I think the chances of there being another Bob Lazar, who also went pretty unlikely, pretty unprobable. Um, well, yeah. and it, But the thing is, is that, you know, they've... All of the claims that, that he's been... Uh, everything he said that, um, that says that all of his claims are not you go in and there's always that little kernel that's in there of the debunking that is like, eh, you can't paper articles citing him, you know, cause he likes playing around with jet propulsion and saying, you know, he's got a, a jet propelled bicycle or something like that. Right. He has a jet you propelled know, motorcycle and a Honda. <laughs> right. Which, you know, he's got his own little kind of like bat car, I guess. But, um, you know, there's that, there's, there's newspaper articles about him citing him working at the places he claimed he worked that, that now say, no, we have no record of him working, working there. You know, there's, so there's a lot of things going on that are like, okay, well, if he's been, if he's lying about this, he's been lying about this for a very, very long time. And if he wasn't working there, no one else has shown where else he worked during that same time frame. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a point you get to where you're like, okay, it's easy to remove records from one place of employment, but in order for it to be for a cover up to be complete, you've got to generate something that says he was working somewhere else. Right. And no one has ever produced that. Well, if he wasn't working here, if he didn't go to MIT, what was he doing th during those years when he claimed MIT? I don't, what yeah. was he doing during those years that he claimed he was at Caltech? I don't know. Did he just, you yeah. know, drop off the face of the earth, hang out in the, in the, uh, the desert and, eat shrooms or something. I mean, what the hell is he doing during that time frame? Cause all you're doing is you're calling up the office and they say they have no record. But then if you look hard enough, you can find newspaper clippings stating and citing him as someone working at this place or attending that college. Right. So there's this disconnect, right? And that disconnect is actual fucking just gold for people who want to believe him. Yeah. Do I believe him? I don't know, to be honest with you. I really don't. There's a lot that he says that makes makes me kind of wonder if he is telling the truth. Right. And there's a lot of things that the debunkers say where I'm like, yeah, that's that's possible too. You know what I mean? But like the one moment on the documentary that really kind of surprised me was when he talks about the hand scanner where they measure the, the length of the right. bones in the finger. And I remember um, he was on Jar George Nuri, and he was talking about that. And this was, geez, 15 years ago. Yeah. And I remember him describing it. There's a pin, there's pins, and then there's a light overhead. And then the, the documentarian um, 
showed him a picture Jer- of it. Yeah, Jer- and he was like, holy shit, I can't believe you found that. That's yeah. exactly what it was. That's what I was trying to describe. Right. You know, so it's some things come out like element 115. Right. He talked about 115 and now there's element 115. It's called right. Muscovium. And, but the thing is, right? is that and he talks about it being a gravity drive, which was not something to my knowledge had been discussed even in science fiction up until that point. Right. 30 years ago, a lot of things that he had said sounded just batshit crazy. Whereas yeah. it's like there's an element that they haven't discovered or been able to create in a laboratory yet. And then about 20 years later, after he said, yeah, there's this element 115, there's a stable version of it that they use that has um, grav- uh, gravimetric properties to it, as it were. Um, yeah, which gravity is really something we don't fully understand right. at this moment. And, is it, a, and is it a particle? Is it a wave? What is it? And it was... Exactly. Is What sort of a force is it kind of a thing. Right. Um, the other thing is you talk to people who are chemists and Moscovium or element 115 that, that as we know it by, is extremely radioactive. Yeah. And he talked about a stable variant of it. Right. And every single one of them, that every single chemist that you talk to is like, yeah, it's possible there's there's a stable thing that right. we just haven't found yet. There's nothing, there's nothing in, there's nothing, like for right now, it's impossible for us to create that, create a stable version of element. Right. But that doesn't mean one doesn't exist. Or right. One, we just haven't, like we haven't discovered it yet. Correct. We haven't figured out a way to create a stable version yet. That's not to say that if there are advanced civilizations out there, that's not to say that they haven't found a way to do it yet. If an alien race is coming to us from another star system, something that we're not capable of doing is manned flight from one star system to another, then it stands to reason they know more about science than we do. Sure. You would no. you would think that an advanced civilization outside of our own would know how to do things we haven't learned yet. You would think that if an if a civilization had a a thousand year head start or a twelve thousand year year head start, they would they would have figured out how to do stuff. That Bob Lazar talks a lot about, like dropping off a motorcycle or a radio uh, um, radioactive or a nuclear. Um, portable reactor and you dropped it off in uh, the 18th century and it's like with something like a motorcycle if they played around with it long enough there would be people who would be proficient in operating one but they couldn't tell you exactly how it was made or how it how, how it actually works um you would think that there would be people, you know, adv- people, visitors from an advanced civilization where they come from another planet or another dimension, that they would they would have figured out a way to solve huge problems on how to do whatever it is that they do, cross dimensions or travel light years in a, in, in a decent amount of time or short amount of time. You'd think that. You'd think that they would have figured out if element 115 is so vitally important in doing what they do and how they do it. They would have figured out a way to do it by now if they had a couple of thousand years head start. Element 115 back in 1989 
was something out of like it's like out of fantasy, out of like it's it's almost like right out of Tolkien, with this yeah. magic magic metal that has these strange properties to them, and as time progressed, people have said have said yeah, element one fifteen actually does exist. What we've been able to create in the lab lasts only a couple of milliseconds. Bob Lazar was talking about element 115 in 1980. Was it 89 when this first interview 1989. was? 1989. Element 115 or Muscovium was first synthesized in 2003. Yes. So that's like 14 years later, 15 years later. This guy was talking about something that science did said did not exist. Right. But then confirmed it. 14 years later. Right. So we got the hand scanner, the biometric hand mm-hmm. scanner that people were like saying, no, that can't exist. That doesn't exist. And it turns out that the filmmaker, when I'm going to talk about Jeremy Corbyn in, 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 a, in a bit. Mm-hmm. So Jeremy Corbyn found a picture of it and Bob Lazar like says, oh my God, that's it. That's the one. And so he was right about the biometric scanner. And he drew he drew pictures of this thing back in 1989, and then in 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 2000 and in 2019, Jeremy Corbyn, the 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 the, the documentarian for Bob Lazar, Area 51, and Flying Saucers, um, was able to find a picture of what he drew back then, and a, and a device that should not exist exists. So he's right about that. Element 50. 115 he said exists people thought was if it's it's impossible and then it turns out that we can create it for an incredibly brief moment in time in a laboratory and there is po- it's possible but not probable that we could find a way to make a stable version of it in our lifetime Right. And okay. here's here's just to give everyone a perspective on this. When when Eric says a very, very short time frame, it's half half life is 0.65 seconds. Yeah. About so, the about about very the, brief about the um, it, it, it's just a short bit longer than the average teenager's attention span. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. So, so and then. One of the things that we that had disclosed in this, and he's he's talking about the way that these weird craft, and Bob Lazar will tell you, he's not sure where they came from. They were he was told that the one in particular that he was working on and trying to figure out how it worked and why it worked was from Beta Reticuli, and he's not sure Zeta Zeta Reticuli Zeta Reticuli. But yeah. he's not sure if they weren't pulling his leg. He thinks that's he doesn't know for sure where they came from. He says that they told him that's where it's from. Right. Now that's one of the interesting things to me, looking at this from a purely human perspective. If you're gonna make up a sensational story like this, you're gonna make it would you say how often would you use the phrase, I don't know, or I'm not sure? Hardly ever at all. Well, I think you you throw a few in there. Right. Of things, right? But the fact that he just really focuses only on what he knew. Right. Right. Like for example, in the in the documentary, he says, you know, he's he passed by a little window, it was like an eighteen inch or twelve inch window with the bars going through it kind of a thing. And he saw two scientists talking to something and they were looking down and he saw two long, very thin hands arms with hands on them. 
he's like, now is that an alien? I don't know. For all I know, that's just a doll that they made to, to, to sit in a chair. Yeah. Because the chairs on the craft were very, very small. They were childlike in size. So I think he's very, he seems very honest. Like, you know, if I was being sensationalist, I would say, oh, I saw an alien. Yeah. And the hands were moving. You know what I mean? Yeah. You would say things like that. The other thing, too, that stuck out to me is that he doesn't seem to be given to a lot of um, creative distraction. Like, if I were to say I worked at Area 51, people would be just say, okay, yeah, right. And you like to write stories about magic. So, sure. mm, whatever. Sure. You know? Um, he's not given to that sort of thing. He doesn't have any of those inclinations. So, he as a person, what does he have to gain by saying this? What does he have to gain by doing this? He's lost jobs. He lost his wife. He's Well, he's remarried now. But right. you know what I mean? This has had overall negative impact on his life. So why is he still sticking by his guns? He it would be easier for him to to say, yeah, I made all that up. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that we, we've also sort of like have glossed over or skipped over is that he said Wednesday night is the best night for them to practice flying these craft that they've recovered from somewhere. So he takes people out Wednesday night and there are these strange lights in the sky moving in ways that defy explanation. Um, and, he, and he took people out there a couple of nights. He said, you go out in the desert, you go to this location, you'll see strange things that defy explanation flying in the sky. He goes out there and there are strange things flying in a way that a helicopter or an airplane, all these other things that we, we can't explain how they move. It's, it's not like any other conventional aircraft that we have to our public knowledge. So he was right. So, so, so far he's, I think he's, is it four for four already? Yeah. You know, Area 51, nobody knew Area 51 even existed until, well, there were rumors that something exists out in the desert somewhere, but he named it Area 51. Now you can go on Google Maps like we just talked about in a couple of episodes about a month ago where you and I were talking about why Area 51, raiding Area 51 is a bad idea. Yes. It's an awful idea. They will shoot you. They will kill you. They don't yes, care. They, they don't care if you're bringing your 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 wife and kids. They'll kill them too, or right. you'll get sick and die because of all the toxic um, experiments that they had out there in the surrounding areas around Area 51. So the thing is, is that so he's right about Area 51, Element 115, the biometric scanner, and these weird lights in the sky that. You can see them if you go out to in the desert um, on Wednesday night after dark. Um, and and by the way, one thing that, that was pointed out, I don't remember if it was pointed out in this, but I know it was mentioned on Joe Rogan's show, is he brought friends with him. They would go out and they would drink beer and they would watch the things flying around. Yeah, and they were flat out told uh, by the police to not do that anymore. And Bob was told at work to not do that anymore. Right. Um. So I mean, clearly he knew something. Yeah, he knew that there was something. You know, and the neighbor that he yeah. How would he know that? 
you know, people wait, you know, there are some people who go out out of their way to try and find UFOs. And this guy's able to essentially conjure one on command. You know, I mean, there's, that's just weird to me. It is. It's sort of like, hey, where do you want to go see UFOs? I'll take you where you can go and see UFOs. Yeah, we got to go on Wednesday nights because they don't make them fly on other nights. Right, because air air traffic control, you know, you fly them on Wednesday nights because there's hardly any air traffic around the Las Vegas area at that time um, on Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights was a slow night for air traffic. Um, so Bob Lazar came forward, did the George Knapp show. Yep. And there's a series of other interviews after was, and we're not sure of whether or not he quit or he was fired. I think that that's the one part of his story that it might be ambiguous. But he told, he, he talked about the horrible working conditions there. Whereas is that you have one week off and then for three weeks, you go to this place out in the desert where there's nothing to do. You hang out and you're forbidden to talk to other people in other departments because they wanted to keep a lid on everything going on. And that's no way to do science. The way scientists accomplish things is that they collaborate. Uh, the stereotypical um, scene where you see a lone scientist working in a laboratory making these incredible discoveries, it doesn't really happen that way. There's usually a team of people working together and from other disciplines they come together and they said well i'm doing this on element 115 you're doing this on metallurgy and it was and he also had said and it and this was not covered in um the documentary on netflix but it came out when he was talking to joe rogan is that the one spacecraft that he was working on is it's like nothing you've ever seen where there's no sharp edges there's no 90 degree angles and every every element everything everything seems interconnected to to each other it's not it's not one piece that makes the thing work it's all the pieces together working together in harmony to make this thing work you can't, you remove one little element from this spacecraft or whatever you want to call it. Nothing works. Like you, you, you take out the engine core, the seats don't work or something like that. I'm, 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 I'm exaggerating yeah. by hyperbole. I'm right. And because he's not, well, at least in the, the articles that, and, and interviews that we've seen, he, he didn't get very specific on it but he did mention that the seats are really small and an adult right. human could not fit in them for example um the other thing he said was there was no wiring that they were using so right. there's no cables running back and forth it's um a, it's one all, thing also yeah. that he mentioned is that is it's a gravitic drive so it doesn't it doesn't fly like we always see in the movies how flying saucers fly like a frisbee no that's it it's perpendicular to the ground not parallel right is how it flies. So, I mean, all of that's interesting to me. You right. Know, and it's not a propulsion in terms of like, we're used to seeing propulsion as a jet in the back end that pushes it forward. And he said, it's the exact opposite. The engines face forward and they create a gravitic anomaly in front right. that pulls it, pulls the craft towards right. that direction. 
It's 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 like it's pointing in a specific direction, and then it right. a, a certain point in space, and it pulls itself towards that point where it wants to go. Right. Does that make any sense? Right. And he's ta- and he's describing all of the all of these craft, these eight or nine other craft. I think there's like eight other craft. There's nine in total. Yeah. And he's describing all of them, and then in years and decades later, with all of these videos that are coming out from pilots chasing down these strange, some of the um, things that he described are now showing up on these videos that are being released to the public. Um, yeah. Through all of these, all Freedom of Information Act or just leaks to um, the public or whatever. There's a thing that they call the Tic Tac. And, and Bob Lazar talked about the, the Tic Tac 30 years ago, and now there's video of the Tic Tac yeah. flying object um, being chased by military planes. And it was like, I mean, that, I mean, to me, that's like amazing. How can you actually say that everything he says is bullshit? Right, especially because things are coming out that are basically verifying what he said. It's going to be interesting to see how many things that he talked about, especially in that first interview. I think that one's the most important. How many of the things that he talked about in that first interview are going to be proven 30 years down the line? Right. You know, 35 years down the line kind of a thing. Right. Because how would he have known about any of that? It's, it's, it's like Princess Leia in the original Star Wars 1979 when she, when she bends over and she, she, pushes something into R2-D2, what she's pushing inside him is a CD, is a compact disc, right? Yeah. Compact discs were being experimented with in the early 70s. They weren't commercially viable until the 80s yeah. when you know we started listening to music on them and stuff. But it's that kind of a thing. There's just this one element that then comes true a little later where you're like, oh, that's, that's fucking cool. Sure. You know what I mean? So with him... Element 115, 14 years after the fact. You know, um, the bone scanner thing. We know right. about those now. The hand bone scanner. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how much else gets verified about him as things go, as time passes. Right. I don't know what to, and, and you're just like, I don't know what to say. It's just, it's just weird. It's just. How can he? How can he have said all of these things that were like crazy? Like, oh, Bob Lazar is making stuff up, and now some of the things that he's quote making up are, are now um, have been proven to be true. Now, the problem is we, one of the things we have to address here, and if we don't address this, people are going to be mad at us. There are aspects of Bob Lazar that's kind of shady. Um, yes. Because yes. Um, Bob Lazar is sort of like your typical nerdy, I don't want to say dork, um, but he's a, he's kind of like an awkward, geeky kind of guy. And, and, and in 1990, yeah. he got involved um, with, um, how do I say that he was involved with a, with a brothel without saying that he was banging all the hookers? He was... <laughs> he was managing the business of a brothel. Does that make any sense? Yeah, well, the the Wikipedia page says that he was arrested for aiding and abetting a prostitution. Yeah. By the way, crime chick, um, uh, crime junkie chicks, this is how yeah. you do it. 
you reference what you're <laughs> reading just before you read it. See, Jay mentioned- Or just after. Or just after. Or just after. You, you just fucking reference where you're getting the information right, from. Right, right. Just a shout out to the crime junkie chicks. That's how you do it. So anyway, continue. Yes. So uh, yeah, the Wikipedia page says that he was arrested for aiding and abetting a prostitution. Right. That it was reduced to felony pandering. And then he did 150 hours of community service, was ordered to stay away from brothels, duh. And undergo psychotherapy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but one thing that in the documentary they talk about is as a result of that, in order to prosecute him, the government, the law enforcement, delved into his path. And during trial and under oath, he claimed to have degrees from MIT and Caltech, and right. that was actually used against him right because they could not verify that. Because apparently he's been erased, as it were. Right. But here's the thing, though. Clearly, he's he's smart and he is educated. I mean, he understands. I mean, the guy built a miniature jet engine and put it on his pedal bike, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I you thought, know, I thought it was a dirt bike, but OK. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, no, it was it was a pedal bike. It was like, like a moped, you know, like a like a moped. You know, um, no. <laughs> I mean, like you, you know, you've seen those um, those trail bikes they have. They're like 15 speed, and they're designed for going on trails and stuff like that. It's like a, uh, it's like a an old off road Huffy bike, BMX okay. bike for adults, kind of a thing. Okay, okay. And in remember in the documentary, he had it painted up like it was like a, a government jeep from World War II, <laughs> and he had a little miniature jet engine tied, you know. Connected to the back of it. Right. So this guy knows his shit. He right. He knows what he's doing. Right. He you know, know, if he... I made something like that, it'd blow up and I'd be dead. And everyone would be like, yep, he's an idiot. So <laughs> Jay, blew just his... kinda... <laughs> Jay blew his legs off in this weird, bizarre <laughs> experiment with jets and a huffing bike. <laughs> right. <laughs> you could almost, so, you could I... almost say that Jay's I... gone with the Schwinn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. Jay's got the flu, and I'm making him laugh so he can. You rotten bastard! Oh, you're trying to kill me. No, but I mean, he he knows what he's talking about. He now owns and operates a place uh, called the United Nuclear Scientific Equipment and right. Supply. Now, this is the most is... important part of the story, by the way. Yeah. So, um, apparently, allegedly, and this has been verified by a couple of sources that we're try we are trying really hard to verify these sources but um Bob Lazar's place of business was raided by several different departments one department even showed up with their own hazmat team yep now what what are the things that they you know the cover story according to the FBI who began the raid simultaneously on his home and his place of business, allegedly, according to, quote, legend, unquote, they're looking for some element 115 that he may have stolen from when he was working at Area 51. Um, we, do now, we, go ahead. And now again, when we've synthesized 115, it lasts a second. Right. So if this guy has element 115, 
He's had it since 1989. That's what, 30 fucking years? Yeah. So, yeah, that's just a little, I don't know. There's a lot of really strange um, links out there that have have pointed to the fact that these people are able to prove that the FBI actually raided Bob Lazar's home. And why they and his place of business, why they did it is still kind of vague. And we'll kind of like. Well, the on the Wikipedia page, they talk about in 2006, they were charged with violating. He and his wife were charged with violating the Federal Hazardous Substances Act for shipping restricted chemicals across state. And that was stemming from a 2003 raid on his business offices where they say chemical sales records were. Um, yeah, they were charged seventy five hundred dollars. And for prohibiting the sale of chemicals and components used to make illegal fireworks. So if this guy did piss off the government in some way, shape, or form, they are definitely making his life difficult. And he's not helping them either when you look at that, you know, prostitution ring shit. Clearly, he's he's not, he's book smart street, stu- street stupid, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you just got to wonder about what's going on. I mean, how many people do you know? accidentally get involved with prostitution rings and brothels not many i, mean, I know a couple but you know, they're not, a little off not but, anymore you know, it's, <laughs> but you know I, I mean and then they they raid his his place of business and they basically give him a slap on the wrist a seventy five hundred dollar fine it's not much you know and again for me it all boils down to normally you follow the money if someone does things like this you know if they come out and they say um i'm exposing the federal government's hiding of aliens they'll do the circuit they'll go on to all of the you know the conventions they'll go on the ufo circuit they'll right. you know what i mean that will come their life and this guy it did not no this was never the focus of his life he came out and he said it and he actually says in the original, uh, in the interview, the follow-up interview, in the follow-up interview he does online where he's no longer pretending to be quote-unquote Dennis, they ask him, why are you saying this? And he's like, it's an insurance policy. Yeah, They so- can't kill me if I'm in the, if I'm in the limelight. Really? You know, he doesn't say kill me, but he says they can't do anything to me. Right. Ask Jeffrey if Epstein. If I make it all public. A- ask Jeffrey Epstein how that worked out. <laughs> Yeah, but, but he's pissing off a different part of the government. Right. And I he, mean, that was that yeah. was personal people in the government, and they, they get pissed off. Yeah. But the government itself as an entity yeah, in some ways is, is unable to be as vindictive. And right now, it's almost weird that, that this documentary came out now when just a couple of months ago, you had one of the Joint Chiefs of Staff basically admitting, yeah, the Navy is well aware. They, we have seen them, we have run across them, and we have evidence. Of them. But So the thing is, is that Bob, Bob Lazar came out, came forward, he did a couple of interviews, and then he sort of um, stepped out of the limelight, as it were, in the realm of the paranormal. And, he'll, I mean, he'll pop up like once in a while, but it's kind of like he said everything that he's he's going to say. No, it's also interesting to point out that those times he popped up for a while in in is because other people sought him out. Right. They wanted more information from him. It's not it, it's not the other he way around. He did not seek it. It's not the other right. way around. He's not seeking attention. 
Bob Lazar's right. whole thing is is that I've said what I've said, and he's kept his story straight the entire time. He's not deviated. Right. Um. He hasn't. Uh, the story has not changed or hasn't been embellished at all during his misadventure. So, um, cut to, where did we want to go? So the thing is, is that, so Jeremy Corbyn did this documentary that sort of brought back Bob Lazar out of, quote, hiding. And, but here's, Jeremy Corbyn has a lot of issues that people just cannot Corbell. Jeremy Corbell has a couple of problems that people just can't seem to get around. First of all, um, when the reenactment of when um, uh, Bob Lazar sent him the text saying that he was being raided, um, when he was like in the bathroom and the, and the weird gel light and stuff like that, um, uh, that you didn't have to, you should have said there should have been, like at the bottom of the screen, a disclaimer saying reenactment. The idea to right. reenact it and not um, to not disclose the fact that that was a reenactment. There were a couple of reenactments that I think that he didn't um, he didn't disclose. With the reenactment of his phone conversation um, with George Knapp, I think that that was uh, I think I think that was a little uncool. There's a lot of um, style choices, I guess. I'm I'm trying to say some of the things that he does. Um, there are some artistic choices that he makes that I don't understand. Why Why do you have to embellish that? Because I right, I, and I I thought it was cool that it was we had narration from Mickey Rourke, but it wasn't really narration in terms of you know Bob at this point did blah 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 blah. It was more like Mickey Rourke. It's like he gave him a bunch of fucking quaaludes and got him high and then Mickey work just kind of vamped about existentialism kind of shit, you know, where he's like saying, what if all of the things that we heard are true? And you know what I mean? It's just distracted. Yeah, there was, yeah, it was, it was distracted. It didn't add anything to it. Yeah. As a documentary. I mean, to, to criticize a documentary as a documentary, it didn't come across as if it was, um, taking a look, at this guy's claims in this guy's life and examining it. even though that is what it is he does a lot that kind of distracts from it and on his wikipedia page he is listed as being a a contemporary artist and documentary filmmaker it's- so his media art exhibitions combine art fashion and film he is also a photographer fashion designer. so he's not a hardcore um documentarian you know he's not like um, what's his name? Spurlock, who did Supersize. Right. Who, that's what he does. That's his only thing is doing documentary. Right. So the fact that it's him that did the documentary, I think, um, is kind of entertaining, but it's also, it can be a bit distracting. It does detract a little from the, the message, if you will, of Bob Lazar, which is like, hey, I saw this shit and it's real. Right. You don't have to believe me. I saw it. I told everyone I saw it. I'm getting on with my life, you know? Right. Uh, another major criticism of of Jeremy's, Jeremy Corbell, I guess is how you pronounce yeah. it, is the thing yeah. is he likes to overuse the phrase, 
weaponize your curiosity or weaponize my curiosity. I want to weaponize your curiosity. You know, and he uses that phrase a lot. And it was just like, I want to, I want to weaponize your curiosity. Sounds like a form of mind rape. I don't know what it is saying, I want to weaponize your curiosity. Sounds like you're doing something to me against my will or against my wishes. And it rubs me the wrong way. And every time he says, I want to weaponize your curiosity, it's like a catchphrase that I really wish he would stop using. Because it, re- it, it's, it feels and sounds invasive. And it was, yeah, it it, and it's not helping him any. And he used that, that phrase, I think he said it maybe once or twice, three times in um, his documentary, Hunt for the Skinwalker or Hunt for Skinwalker, which is, to be fair, one of the worst paranormal documentaries I've ever seen. I didn't like it. Um, yeah. and, and, and I was soft when Walt and I were talking about it about maybe a year and a half ago, I was a little soft in my criticism of it. There's a lot of things that hey, here we have this, these, this boxes upon boxes of footage from Skimwalker Ranch, but we can't show you for legal reasons. And it was just like bullshit. You know, it just seems, it seems like Jeremy does a great job um, diminishing his authority, maybe, in in the Mm -hmm. topic when he uses these, like, crazy little visual effects in the opening, like, um, like the the back, like how he... um, the sky effect that he did where he's walking in the desert and in the sky you see a different camera camera angle of him walking and it's kind of it's a little too much and it was just like the topic in and of itself is already like pretty big pretty sensational he doesn't have to do these things to weaponize your curiosity and it was just like um i will but i will say this is the best documentary he's ever done. And I'm saying, and that's... Yeah. I, the other documentaries I've seen him do, I can't watch more than five minutes of them. because. Right. He, and I think in this, it's part of it is because there's enough material about Bob Lazar that it is, that he doesn't have to do a whole lot of sensationalization behind it. It's almost like he did, you know, the stuff that he did was more for stylistic reasons than anything right. else. Whereas in the other documentaries, <clears throat> excuse me, in the other documentaries, it kind of feels like he needed, he didn't have enough in real information. So he was kind of using it as filler. Right. Sort of a thing. Um, and that's just, I'm, uh, I mean, I, I haven't seen all of his other documentaries i've seen bits of a couple of them right but that's kind of how it feels to me anyway so yeah it's just a this one i could have done he could have cut a good 15 minutes out of it by doing away with the quote-unquote narration i didn't need that shit from mickey yeah i didn't need it exactly Um, no it didn't it didn't aid anything it didn't it didn't enhance the story of bob lazar which is ostensibly what it's this is about yeah you know, 
you know, I don't know, maybe it's just me because the documentaries that I'm used to seeing are, are filled with, you know, this event happened, here's sources for it, this is how we know this happened. Right. And he does do a fair bit of that throughout the documentary. Right. But then he interrupts it with Mickey Rourke's gravelly voice, talking about shit that's not really relevant. Imagine you're going through the desert with your favorite coffee mug, but there's no coffee in your coffee mug. <laughs> and you're wearing a fedora, but it's not your favorite fedora. And then you stop and exactly. think. Then you stop and think to yourself, "What if on another planet, there's somebody else who's walking through the desert carrying a coffee mug, but it's not filled with coffee, and they're wearing a hat, but it's not their favorite hat." And then you realize, for that brief moment, when you're thinking and doing the same thing that that other guy is doing and this other planet on another plane of existence that the two of you are not really alone after all. I mean, Jesus. I mean, why don't you just read yeah. dialogue from The Watchmen? You know? <laughs> <laughs> the city is filled with scavengers, rapists, con artists, politicians, and people who will not shut up in movie theaters. And they cry out for a savior. Please help us. And I say no because I'm Batman. I don't, I mean, Magic. yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just sort of like, I mean, get, get this over with so we can get to the good part. And maybe there's, right. not, maybe there's not enough good parts, you know? And it's like, what, I, I, maybe we're getting off the topic here, but the thing is, is that one thing that has to be addressed is that all of this other stuff that he put in there diminished the serious message of it all. Like the government has these secret programs and they've recovered stuff. That's and way, The way they did it is sketchy. You should pay attention to all that. Pay attention to the fact that they're doing these things out in the desert in the right. name, you know, and whip out the old... Um, Bruce Greenwood song or whoever sang it I'm proud to be an American where we abduct aliens out of the sky and we put the probes up up their ass cause that's what they do to us and I proudly stand up and it was just like you got to like break through here and say they're doing this stuff in the name of quote democracy for quote America, and it's 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 sketchy stuff. And the thing is, is that they have they have these scientists looking at this stuff. They're not they're not using the scientific method. They're not. Uh, well, actually, we don't know if they're using the scientific method. I mean, from everything that Bob said, he never said anything that would indicate to me that they're just a bunch of you know mad scientists crackpots. Um, you know, with unlimited funds, just doing weird experiments. Right. You know, every, everything he said sounds like they're trying to understand the technology. They're trying to understand the technology, but while keeping strict compartmentalology processes. Com yeah, the, the compartmentalization, that's standard with anything that is considered high, highly questionable activity. Yeah. Because... Could you imagine if Bob Lazar, who came out about the propulsion technology he was looking into, and what if he actually had 
seen aliens? What if he actually knew about um, other things that were going on on the base and he could expose the entire thing? Right. And if he, especially if he had that kind of access, he would have hard evidence of it. Right. He would have been able to take some of that hard evidence. So it's really kind of, it works. The compartmentalization works. Right. I mean, it's the way... So we terrorist cells operate. Only one person knows anything about anything else. The other people in the cell only know what he tells them or she tells them or whoever. One of the you th- know one of the things it, yeah. One of the things that he had said in the Joe Rogan show is that the reason why they're 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 sort of spinning their wheels now and they're stagnating is because the different departments aren't allowed to co- collaborate with each other. They have these very strict rules. And and they're they're very stifling of the scientists that work. Like they 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 tap their home phones. They monitor everything that they do. But at the same time, they won't allow the different departments or different scientists working on these similar but different projects to interact with each other. So they're not able to make any headway, according to Bob Lazar, and I guess maybe other whistleblowers who have also come forward. So. Um, but then sort of like to kind of jump gears, uh, earlier this summer there, um, starting with Reddit, there's the controversy surrounding the, the 15 page EWD notes. And it was referenced back to, um, Bob Lazar and talking about, um, Geez, if they only knew what we're actually like working on, like if they, you know, thank, I mean, thank God there aren't more Bob Lazars out there. Um, right. One of the things is that um, Earth Files, um, which is Linda Morton Howe, I think is um, uh, her name, who is famous for uh, another paranormal investigator. Project manager said, and I'm quoting from her page, product manager said they didn't know where it, the UFO, came from. It was technology that was not of Earth, not made by man, um, not by human hands. Allegedly former director of defense intelligence, uh, retired U.S. Navy Vice Admiral Thomas R. Wilson talked with physicist Eric Davis in October of 16th, 2002 in a parked car in the uh, EG&G parking lot in Las Vegas. EG&E is also one of the places where I believe Bob Lazar claimed that he used to work. Right. Um. And and back in so the thing is is there's this there's this leaked um, it's a transcript of a of a conversation that they had and I don't know if you had any chance to look at it but the thing is is that this is sort of like the smoking gun uh, if this memo is actually true where they they're talking about like weaponizing some of the things that they discovered in S four. I don't know if you had a chance to look at that yet, but there's a link in our show notes already. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm looking at it now. And this is, again, this is one of those things. There certainly are a lot of, this is like evidence. They have pictures and quotes and all of that stuff. And I'm looking at the earth file. Yep. Um, this is, uh, this is something I wish I wasn't sick yesterday. I'd had more actually. Yeah. But this is just, 
it's just really kind of mind-boggling that all of this is out there. Right. You know, um, some things like page 13 of 15, they had their manager talking craft, an intact craft. They believe their manager said they didn't know by human. I keep losing you. I keep, I, I keep losing you and you keep clipping. And also there's also a background hum. Yeah. I'm by an air force base and they're <laughs> currently decided they're blasting jets or something over there. See, I did not know that about your new apartment. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's got great views. There's these really loud jets that fly overhead on occasions. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that's that's why you have this this weird clipping sound. So that's probably going to be part of the lore. Jay Jay is uh, uh, recording this right next to an air force base. That's interesting. <laughs> so um, so the thing is, is that we're, we're I mean, so now all of these leaks are coming out. Now there's all these disclosures. One of the things that I've also linked to when we talked about earlier, and this was um, a big, huge revelation, and the New York Times did this, talking about um, all of this black money going into this Pentagon's mysterious UFO program. And I've linked to this on the New York Times. And um, and there was the also, and that came around the same time as the 60 Minutes interview with um robert bigelow robert bigelow i should have remembered bigelow from from bigelow t no bigelow aerospace <laughs> um yeah and the thing is is that robert bigelow had said that he was a co- he was a contractor um for all of these um black ops ufo investigative um projects that the, and it's like and he said that there's no doubt in his mind that that there's something alien going on. There's something, he came right out and said, the alien spacecrafts are real. I mean, we don't know exactly where they come from, you know, other planets or other dimensions, but they're, I mean, they're real. And the thing, and it's like, um, now, it's, now it's come out in the past two years, especially while I've been doing this podcast, first with Walt and now with you, where these huge disclosures, where people coming out and saying, there are these these programs there are these government projects where they're actually encouraging military pilots to come forward with their footage of the strange things that they they see or they chase in the sky when they cross into too close um to these bases airspace or when they're just out on patrol and sort of like the lid has been taken off, and Bob Lazar is in part responsible for that. Yeah. Are the are the jet yeah, are the jets? One still of the things that was interesting on the Joe Rogan interview was how he said basically he found out his his now ex wife was cheating on him by basically the government saying, "Hey, why are you bringing people out to uh, Papoose Lake and showing them shit? You know, we've got you under investigation. We know." And then they basically played him recordings of his wife talking to the guy that she was cheating on him with. And that's the first time he found out, you know, it's just, wow. Yeah. It's just stuff like that are, are just really kind of weird. Yeah. So, um, so the whole, so the, the whole thing, the point that we really wanted to make and really wanted to drive home is that Bob Lazar was the tip of the spear in the disclosure movement and started something that brought us to where we are now 
I mean, even as podcasters, where there's still right. fresh material. But the, but the thing is, is that Bob Lazar is done. In the point, whereas, and he, and he reiterated this on Joe Rogan's podcast and Jeremy Corbell's um, documentary, he's done trying to convince you. He's done trying to say, I'm not a liar. This actually happened. Um, right. The FBI. And can you blame him, really? I mean, seriously, can you, could you blame the guy? Yeah. No, I couldn't. I couldn't. But he's come out and he said time and time again, I'm done trying to convince you people of what's real. And and that's it. Um, and with all the other disclosures that we're having now, with all the other books that have been written on the topic of disclosure, I don't think that, you, like Annie Jacobson's book about, uh, about Area 51 and all the other black ops projects that people, I, I mean, they wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Bob Lazar. I think that people like right. uh, like Art Bell and George Norrie wouldn't have t- um, radio shows that were as popular as they were if it wasn't for somebody like Bob Lazar. Um, and it was like, I kind of feel as if this documentary and this interview with Joe Rogan is pretty much, it, it pretty much his swan song. He's, he's moving on to do other things with his life. Um. And I think and to, be, to be fair, I can't blame him. You know, he's he's tired of hearing this shit. Oh yeah, he's probably tired of talking about it, and they're probably going to be tired of hearing this podcast after I send it to them. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I did want to sort of like segue into something else. There's a couple of other topics that we really wanted to talk about because somebody had mentioned to me that one of the things that they really like about the show is that they talk, we talk about news items that not a lot of other news organizations like talking about or will talk about. One of the things that I have on, um, on our show page, Russia's August 8th atomic blast. Business Insider, new details on Russia's mysterious missile disaster suggests a nuclear reactor blew up. And there's a couple of other news organizations that have done reporting on this who have said that um, they don't think that it was actually a, 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 a missile, an ICBM supersonic missile that actually blew up or a cruise miss- missile that blew up. What they're, A lot of people are speculating now with all of the crap that's been put in the air surrounding this area is actually a... Um, an actual like reactor, like they're so they're calling this Russia's second Chernobyl, and I'm I'm reading here again from Business Insider, uh, the deadly August eighth blast in uh, Nyoska military base. Uh, apologies if I didn't pronounce this right. Testing range released a handful of rapidly decaying radioactive isotopes: storium ninety one, barium one thirty nine, barium one forty. Larithium-140, which have half-lives ranging from 83 minutes to 12.8 days. Uh, the Roishnet National Weather and Environmental Monitoring Agency said in a statement on test samples, these are fission products, Joshua Pollock, a leading expert on nuclear and missile proliferation, told the Insider. 
if anyone still has this doubt that a nuclear reactor was involved in this accident, this report should go a long way in trying to resolve that. So they had an, apparently, rumor has it that they've had another Chernobyl-style accident. This comes right on the heels just before the Emmy announcements were released where the documentary from HBO about Chernobyl has uh, about a dozen nominations for the Emmys for best television. And I'm like, it couldn't have happened at a worse time. Right. So, I mean, what do you, I mean, what do you say about that? Other than the fact that it was just like, there are some people who need to have their toys taken away and and go sit and time out for a couple of decades. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it's this is the part that really kind of um, kind of gets me about, about this, right? If they had something that was Chernobyl style, that's fine. Yeah. Um, if it's the same size, then that's more concerning because Chernobyl was huge, huge. You and I have talked about this before. Sure. Um, I don't, although I don't remember if it was on the podcast. Yeah. Chernobyl was just freaking huge. Um, they still, to this day, can't go back to certain areas in Chernobyl because the radiation is too high. Right, especially the neighboring town of Priviet. Um, right. So it's really kind of scary to think that they, they, you did it again, really, dudes. I mean, what the hell? This is you like know? this is um, this is like what the second time within forty years. Yeah. Um, um, and something that big is just not something that I I would like to see us do again. Us as a you know, human, that's... as a, us as a human race, and and, right. and I'm going to, and I'm going to circle back here and mention something earlier. There are regions around Chernobyl that you can't go because the toxic radiation and other radioactive elements that were released into the air and the soil and the water. You can't go there for that reason. Going back to Area 51 and why raiding Area 51 is such a bad idea. It's the same concept. Because according to people like Bob Lazar and, and, and others, with all the other weapons, weapons, biological testing, all these other things that they have experimented on in the middle of the Nevada desert, rushing Area 51 is a bad idea. If you want to die of some horrible, long-lingering sickness, disease, cancer, by all means, I highly doubt that you're going to get past the gate. It's a bad idea for the same reason why you don't want to go on a, on a tourist trip around Chernobyl <laughs> with, your Bermuda, with your cargo shorts, your sneakers, your ball cap, and your, and your t-shirt. It's not a good right, unless idea. Unless you, for recreational purposes, have it. You're packing up and bringing with you. I wouldn't turn up. No. Um, so the thing is, is that Russia may be caught in another lie about another reactor explode, uh, explosion. What's interesting to me is the nature of the lie, too. They didn't say, oh, yes, we have screwed up. We have another nuclear reactor down. No, what they said was, we have super missile. We can reach United. States from Mother Russia 
and can destroy things at will. This was failed test of said nuclear capability. Why are they doing the saber rattling? It's because we're dealing with insane people. I mean, there's just there's just no other explanation. Another thing I wanted to point out here, and this is like one of those, it's a non-topic topic. U.S. Yep. Air, Air Force space plane. And this is from Gazmato, secretive U.S. Air Force space plane breaks record with uh, 719 straight days in orbit. This is a direct quote from that article. The U.S. Air Force's Boeing X-37B space plane broke a record yesterday for the most amount of time in orbit around the Earth, but we still don't know when the uncrewed plane is going to land or even when it, what it's doing up there. All the details about the X-37 mission are declassified, or are, are classified, rather. As of 6.43 a.m. today, for the date whenever this thing was published, the X-37B's space plane fifth mission, dubbed the Orbital Test Vehicle, will have spent 719 days in orbit, just 11 days shy of a full two years circling the globe. Um, I'm pretty sure that it's, as of that writing, it's probably already uh, passed. Um, the previous record was 717 days, 20 hours and 42 minutes, achieved just a few years later with the OTV-4. What is it? What is it doing? And why is it such a secret? Why does it have to be such a secret? And it's like secrets like that are a reason why there are conspiracy theorists and why people <laughs> like ha us have a podcast. Exactly. So, and I don't want to perseverate over this. Is there anything else that you have to say about the space plane other than what the hell? <laughs> no, that, that pretty much covers it. I maybe, mean, that's, maybe, yeah. Maybe you should go next door, you know, knock on their door. And go say, knocking. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to knock on the Air Force's door and be like, hey, um, what the space plane shit? Yeah, could, you, could I borrow a cup of sugar and um, what's up with and that space plane? While I'm here. Yeah, what's up with that space plane? What you got going on back there, guys? Yeah. How I, about that space plane? Pretty crazy shit, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of things. And this past Saturday, something really weird happen, happened. And I'm not, I don't think I should elaborate too much. Um, but it kind of freaked me out. I don't know if I, I, I don't know if you think I should talk about it or not. Um, I don't think necessarily at this podcast because okay. unfortunately i've got a i gotta go to work you got so. you so we're gonna wrap the show on this yeah um, we gotta this, so this, so this, the this. thing is is that one of the things that somebody had asked me is to look into what's the deal with the bizarre temple-like structure on jeffrey epstein's private island this is from the uh, that's the headline from a um website called love and crime um and the question is is that um, he has this large private island. I mean, large from my perspective. It's a pretty, it's a pretty well, huge. Well, yes, all private islands go, though. It's not very much. <laughs> so the thing is, is that there's what and a lot of attention is being put on this weird temple on Jeffrey Epstein's private island. 
with these uh, with these underground cave caves leading to this strange, weird altar that looks bizarrely similar to um, Bohemian Grove. And people are speculating that there's a link between Jeffrey Epstein's private island and the weird ceremonies that they had there to Bohemian Grove. And like, look into that more. Um, The Washington Times, Jeffrey Epstein's donations favored Democrats, including Chuck Schumer. This was from uh, Thursday, July 11th. We didn't, this is something that we mentioned earlier. We didn't get a chance to put it on the show page. But the fact of the matter is, is that there are a lot of people who received a lot of money from Jeffrey Epstein. And we don't know what were they expected to give Jeffrey Epstein in exchange for the donations. Um, this, right. a, this aspect really scared the hell out of me. New York Post. Vanity Fair's Graydon Carter found severed cat head outside his home amid Jeffrey Epstein reporting. This is by Amanda Wood back in August 23rd, 2019. As if somehow this is a message saying, stop focusing on Jeffrey Epstein. Um, and also, again, from the Law and Crime uh, website, could French prosecutors be targeting Glacine Maxwell and Jean-Luc Borel with Epstein probe? Apparently, the French are starting to take a serious look at what Jeffrey Epstein was allegedly doing in France. Um, and then, just this week, there are a ton of news stories. Um, this especially from The Hill. Video from cameras outside Epstein's jail cell, unusable report. At least one camera stationed in the hallway outside billionaire financier and convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein's prison cell, where officials say he hanged himself earlier this month, had footage that was deemed unusable. And that was written by uh, Jessica uh, Capansi, I think is how you pronounce her name. And Whitney Webb has posted a lot about this on Twitter, talking about the odds of both cameras aren't aren't working yeah that's that's sketchy at best so she's talking about all all of these unusable cameras one thing one of two things are true that the, the that the mcc in new york city was underfunded understaffed and was completely totally inadequate in holding and maintaining and observing um inmates who knows what other horrors are going in there? Or they tampered with the cameras and the evidence to keep this thing silent. Um, right. And um, uh, Whitney Webb goes on to talk about how um, the, the, um, his fellow inmate in his cell was moved shortly before the, quote, suicide. She keeps saying, putting suicide in quotes. Um, uh, the guards that were there that night weren't even legitimate guards. Apparently that they were temps, the, um, the shady doctor, she talks about the shady doctor who did the autopsy. Um, and apparently that there's no, there's none of the guards. Nobody there is cooperating with the FBI investigation. According to uh, the next article that Whitney Webb is writing, which she teased on Twitter. This is a news story that is not going to go away. At least we're not going to forget about it. 
But a lot of people are asking the same questions. Who knew what and at, and, and at what time? Um, and the thing is, is that what's, what's going to happen to the victims? What's going to happen, to happen to Jeffrey Epstein's victims and are they going to be compensated? So it's, it's a story that we, we're going to spend a, a, a couple of minutes focusing on until we get some kind of final resolution. Um, right. So, and, and I, you know, um, and just another shout out to the crime junkie chicks for, for plagiarism. I have two articles about how <laughs> one of the co-hosts or the, one of the hosts, Ashley Flowers, responded to the plagiarism. And she's kind of like, oh, we, we fixed it. We can forget about it now. They, we, I, we, we went back and we gave the people credit, all the people that we that we plagiarized we went back to those old episodes and, and we edited them and we've given people credit okay the problem can go away now so okay I think I think the I think the article that I've linked to in variety is it's a lesson on what not to do when you get caught plagiarizing <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh oh uh oh so, um, alrighty, I do have to get going, man. Do you have any final last words before I kick you off? Um, no, not really. I mean, the whole thing with Bob Lazar is just fascinating, just from a human angle. Um, if you think about the motivations, what motivation for creating all, for making all of this up? The statements he gives as to why he's doing it makes more sense to me than what the the people who are trying to disprove him say just feels more right to me on the other hand i'm not 100 percent sure i believe him either you know um i do want to keep up with jeffrey epstein case and and what's going on with that specifically his little black book of names and see what's going on with there with yeah. that because that's something i think we need to kind of keep on yeah and uh that's it man yeah i don't really have anything other than that and and other than that, I I mean this is I think this has been one of the best chock a block paranormal shows that we've done in a while, and I and I want to yeah. I want to keep up with this, and um, I'm also getting some author interviews all lined up for the autumn and uh, winter of awesome. uh, of 2019. I'm gonna let you go because I know that you're in a hurry. Yep. And say hello to your neighbors, and don't forget to ask them about that space plane. <laughs> I will. I will do that. All right. Go over with a cup of tea. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. All right. Talk to you later, Jay. Yep. Have a good one. Feel better, man. You've survived another podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Find out more about us by visiting our homepage, thefedorachronicles.com. You can support the show by visiting our Zazzle page. Exactly 12.5% of every purchase goes to keeping this and other shows on the Fedora Chronicles Network on the air. That's zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Or you can become a Patreon. Click the link 
And for a mere dollar a month, you will get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're working on, and so much more. Thanks for all your support in advance, and thank you to our listeners who have already contributed. Don't forget to search for the Fedora Chronicles on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we will be keeping you posted on what's happening. Be sure to join the Fedora Chronicles radio show Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Fedora Chronicles news. On behalf of Jason and myself, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off. Keep your chins up and your fedoras on. <laughs>